This is New Media. You're listening to Building a Republican Ideological Coalition, a four-part series about helping our various Republican factions unite. By focusing on some basic principles we all share, being open to ideological differences on other issues, and seeking to add people to the movement instead of subtracting them, we can build a functioning, if difficult, governing coalition despite some glaring challenges that lie ahead. Part three, fight desperately to keep people in the tent. I know that power sharing parliamentary systems seem foreign to us and that we think of things in a winner take all manner, but our movement must become a multipolar volatile group of ideologically and background diverse Republicans who hold healthy disagreements on much of the finer issues of our doctrine. Our party should have a fierce, yet tentative, respect for each other, an agreement on a few basic principles that we all share, and that's about it. But this mutual standoff mixed with Game of Thrones blood sport for control of the party levers requires that all of our unfriendly groups actually are inside of the tent. As much as the media wants to make us disparate and different, most Republicans agree on 60 to 80% of the most important issues. And that's good enough for me. There truly is room for the whole spectrum of goons in our party. I outlined a caveat to this big tent philosophy in my last article that the conspiracy theory and radicalized supremacist folks are not ready to be fully added to the group of factions negotiating power and policy yet. Everyone is welcome to register Republican and be involved. However, they would like... But when it comes to choosing leadership and building voices to run for office and speak to voters, it is incumbent upon us to educate and help these folks first. As we find a way to add these competing groups instead of subtract them through force, our power multiplies on certain issues. Representative government is fairly simple. We need more people than them to get what we want. You've heard the expression big tent before, of course. Inviting more people to be Republican seems like a universal goal, but for many conservatives, they seek a smaller party that only aligns with their worldview and not interested in winning elections or adapting to the world as new voters come on the scene. The Republican Party is a machine meant to get more people to register Republican, get more people who are Republicans elected across the country. It is a place for ideological discussions, policy wars, and everyone's hands on the collective steering wheel of the larger body politic of the American right. If these groups have a hand on that steering wheel, it keeps them from getting their own car and trying to run ours off the road. Each of these factions brings, for the most part, a healthy appreciation for the Constitution, America, and freedom in their own way. Without these tentative alliances, we find ourselves in the situation we have in Nevada, where independent, non-affiliated, and third-party voters are outpacing both major political parties in registration. I call it the registered independence self-fulfilling prophecy. Stage one, person gets angry at who the party chooses to represent them in the upcoming election and changes their party registration. Then stage two, party no longer has that person's voice to help choose the candidate in the next primary election or write the next platform. Stage three, person votes for the candidate's opponent, which weakens their party affiliation further. Stage four, person is angrier over the next round of candidates and platforms who even less represent them because they left. 
And then stage five, party is further starved of their input, activism, and support, making the candidate choices and platforms worse and worse each election cycle, which forces a new voter into stage one. This has been playing out for years. This is how I think it could work if we added people instead of subtracting them. How it could work instead. Stage one, person gets angry at who the party chooses to represent them in the upcoming election, but stays involved and engages with fellow members. Stage two, person works to convince fellow party members to choose a better path in the next primary election and platform meeting. Stage three, party members start to listen to person, see faults in the previous candidate or message. Stage four, person finds that other party members feel the same way as they do or are being persuaded by their activism. Stage five, party members react to that person's input, choose better candidates, platforms, all thanks to this person's voice. Party adapts to a changing populace while holding on to its established principles and stage one starts again. Every time a moderate, or for that matter, a hardcore conservative leaves the party, it does nothing but starve the party of an important voice of reason. As you can see from the examples above, your lack of voice in the primary process makes the problem worse, not better. I've seen activists shape party platforms by hustling a room of a few hundred people in a central committee meeting, and others convince central committees to back their dark horse candidate for a statewide nomination by sheer force of will and a little schmoozing. It can happen, and often does, but requires you to be in the tent, not out. The best part, if you don't like the way that I'm steering the Republican Party, congratulations. For those of you who are registered members, you have just as much a say as I do in its destiny. But if you leave, you abdicate your ability to make one of the two parties in America's two-party system function. And everyone loves to talk about a third party, the Patriot Party or the Moderate Party. It's just not feasible in the current landscape. It would take investing tens of billions of dollars to start changing state legislature rules, fund court battles to fight for third-party ballot access, and to build a national viable third party. There is no prize for second place, and there is even less than that for third place. To be more direct, unless we would like to see America's last vestiges of free market thought dwindle into cultural obscurity because we are withdrawing from the very organization that is our best chance to fight against the united left, we need to spend less time leaving and more time repairing this party rather quickly. I think this approach works because in politics, friendly transactional activism works better than cold antagonism. I contend your advocacy for your pet issue, whether it's Second Amendment, responsible environmentalism, or hell, raw milk rights, if you want that, will be much better received by the establishment if it comes from inside of the tent rather than outside of it. I see a bright future for a party that embraces the infinite intellectual, financial, racial, ethnic, and sexual orientation diversity that America is becoming in the internet age, not one that runs afraid from it. By recognizing our differences, fiercely debating behind closed doors, and then horse trading our way to a fragile unity when those doors open, we can show the American people that we are a legitimate governing movement with a clear vision for America. You can listen to the rest of this four-part series on www.thisisnew.media. This is New Media.